The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani Show. On Relevant Radio. And uh, they absolutely could have been a single couple. Uh, this we, you know, we, from science, you can't say anything. From you might be able to do it from from church doctrine, but even um, Pope Pius XII left the door open a little bit by saying, "This is by no means uh, easily discountable," you know. But he didn't say it was church doctrine. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Yeah, that was uh, Father Spitzer. You know what he was talking about? Our first parents. Your great, 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 who knows how many great parents ago, Adam and Eve. That's right. We all share that common ancestry, right? Uh, And uh, I don't know if you know this. We are on the eve of their feast day. Yeah, you might might not realize it. Tomorrow, Christmas Eve, the church also recognizes or celebrates the feast of Adam and Eve. So I, I thought today what we could do as we get ready to celebrate the the birth of Jesus Christ as the Christmas season's coming to its to its peak. Let's take a look at our first parents. Let's take a look at DNA discovery, what science is revealing about how we all have descended from one woman. We'll also take a look at the historicity of the birth of Jesus Christ today. When was he born? Was he born 2020 years ago? Was it 1 BC, 7 BC? What evidence do we have that he existed? We'll take a look at that with Mike Aquilina. We'll look at the Magi. We'll look at Christmas angels and so much more. It's going to be a fun show. Stay with me. But right now, I want to get you connected to a past conversation I had with one of the most brilliant men I know. That's Father Spitzer. And he looked at Adam and Eve, whether or not they existed. Here's what he thinks. I want you to tell me about evolution, whether it contradicts Genesis, and whether or not there was an original Adam and Eve. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Okay, so there you're saying there was an Adam and Eve. I believe that there was, not only from uh, what Scripture says, but also I think the scientific evidence points in that direction. It's great to be back here with you. It's been debated all over. Matt Fratt and the show Spirited Debate on Fox are just some of the media outlets and personalities who have asked the question, did Adam and Eve really exist? What do you think? Huh? I'd love to ask you the, I'd love to get your take on it. We're going to get the uh, the skinny, if you will. I think we're going to get the truth from my next guest, Father Robert Spitzer. He's going to be with me in just a moment. Is Adam and Eve, a you know, are they a reality? Did we all descend from one set of parents? Or is, you know, is it basically a story? You know, is it a story to kind of impart a moral lesson? Uh, that's what a lot of people uh, tend to sometimes argue. Uh, but I think it raises a great question, doesn't it? How humanity got its start is a question I think that has always fascinated us. Where did we come from? You know, our origins and, and whether or not we're alone in the universe, those are questions that still are discussed. They will continue to be, I think, for a very long time. They've been debated for Christians and Jews. The, of course, the biblical story of Adam and Eve has always provided a basis to understand how this happened. And the church, by the way, has very clear teaching on this. We'll talk about that, too. This is not considered a myth by the church. I know some of you might think, oh, I do not believe in Adam and Eve. Drew, that's ridiculous. Really? We came from one set of parents? Come on. Let me tell you, the church does not consider this a myth. You can go to a couple different resources, but the catechism, for example, declares this. I'll just share what they say. They say the church interpreting the symbolism of biblical language in an authentic way in light of the New Testament and tradition teaches that our first parents, Adam and Eve, 
were constituted in an original state of holiness and justice. So we're not talking about myth here. Of course, um, for most people around the world, they, they say, oh, that's the catechism, right? It's a tale made up to give people some meaning. What does science say? Hmm? Is it possible there there is scientific evidence that traces us back? Came across a very interesting story recently. It indicates science may have actually proven that you know this is not a myth. Researchers at Rockefeller University in New, in, in New York and the University of uh, Basel in Switzerland uh, they took genetic barcodes, if you will. They, they took them from five million animals, including humans. I think they took them from like a hundred thousand different species. And they ran this through a database of other genetic codes. And what they found, I think, was fascinating. They found that our, our mitochondrial DNA, the DNA that gets passed on uh, down the, the mother line, you know, through the mother, it shows that we result from two parents. You come from a set of parents from around 250,000 years ago. Not only that, they claim that these parents somehow gave birth to almost all the other species as well. Now, I, I don't know how that could have happened, but... That's what they're claiming. They they also said that there's you know very little difference between human mitochondrial DNA and most animal mitochondrial DNA. So maybe God allowed these great similarities. But here's here's something else. The authors claim that the human race started again. And this is what I found so fascinating that that the human race started again after some cataclysmic event happened that basically wiped out the world. What do you make of it? I'm joined today by Father Robert Spitzer. He's a Jesuit priest with way too many credentials to list. Otherwise, uh, we'd run out of time here. Always good to have you. You want to learn more about him and his writings, MajusCenter.com. Majus, M-A-G-I-S, Center.com. It is a great resource. Also, check out Credible. Is it .com, Father? Credible.com? Is that the other word? Credible, credible Catholic. CredibleCatholic.com. CredibleCatholic.com. Hey, great to have you, Father. Good afternoon. Uh, it's great being with you again, Drew. Yeah, this is fascinating. I have always been fascinated yeah. by this. I love the science, the mitochondrial DNA. I think it's fascinating. Let's well, first two things: what's the church teach, and what does science reveal? Let's talk about our first parents. A lot of people really believe that these are myths, and it's a story to impart a moral lesson for for the you know for people of faith. But I'll throw you that softball. You take it away. Okay. Well, the church teaches, and um, you know, all since the time really when it was declared. Uh, in Humani Janeris in 1951 by Pope Pius XII, um, you know, that uh, we do come from, um, uh, you know, a, an original set of parents. And, of course, the Church has taught way before that declaration. Pope Pius XII did it in light of evolutionary theory. Um, and he, he declared in Humani Janeris that, human, that we could believe, Catholics could believe, in, uh, in evolution, um, but, you know, that we, we could not um, you know, uh, dis, uh, you know, discount uh, the fact that God has to create each and every human being with a unique trans-physical, transcendental soul. So, of course, a soul can't come from an organic evolutionary process, a physical um, evolutionary process. So, um, you know, you could say that human beings can only partially uh, arise out of evolution, but, you know, the soul would have to be given to each human being upon their conception. 
Um, so that's basically it. Was there an Adam and an Eve? The Church teaches, yes, there was. Uh, there is a little bit of a debate between what's called monogenism and polygenism, and uh, monogenism says there's one set of first parents, and polygenism says there might be multiple sets of first parents. But uh, right now, <clears throat> we do believe that there is a, a, a single set of first parents, and um, the mother uh, is called, uh, this is genetic parents now, uh, the mother would be called mitochondrial Eve, and um, the father would be called Y-chromosome Adam. And there is a reason for that. Um, uh, the mitochondrial DNA that you just mentioned, Drew, um, every single person uh, around the world, I don't care if you're in Antarctica, whether you're in Africa, Europe, <clears throat> you know, in Siberia, East, north, south, east, west, it doesn't matter. Every single person in the world has the same mitochondrial DNA uh, that was or the so-called Eve gene that is part of, remnant of, passed down by the mother in everybody's gene. So, I mean, the very, it's a genetic marker. It's, you know, non-humans don't have it. Humans all have it. And so that means we have to come from a single mother. We also know that every man on this planet, again, from Antarctica to Siberia, from you know, China to, to, to the United States or whatever, to Europe, every single solitary one of them uh, who are, is a man has uh, you know, a certain remnant of the, our common genetic father called Y-chromosome Adam. So it's pretty definite, um, um, you know, provable fact that we do come from a single set of parents. The estimate uh, ranges from between 100,000 to 200,000 years ago seems to be when our uh, genetic ancestors lived. Nowadays, a lot of people think um, that it was 100,000 years ago. Now, you can't prove right. that Adam and Eve were a single couple, uh, which is, you know, what monogenism uh, holds, um, you know, um, but for all intents and purposes, you cannot discount it either. There's no evidence for or against the fact that they, they absolutely could have lived at the same time, and uh, they absolutely could have been a single couple. Uh, this we, you know, we from science you can't say anything. From you might be able to do it from from church doctrine, but even um, Pope Pius XII left the door open a little bit by saying this is by no means uh, easily discountable, you know. But he didn't say it was church doctrine. Wow. So let's let's um, let's but, talk about that point because I think it's important. I mean, when you think yeah. of Adam and Eve, I'm thinking, well, how did that work? You know, we know mm -hmm. did they have incest? Did they have you know? How, how did you pass from the family line if it came down back in 1950? Pope Pius XII, of course, addressed the issue whether or not the human race was yeah. descended from one set of parents. As you point out, it's monogenism. You know, uh, as evolutionists say, from parents, what's called, what, what is it, polygenism, you were saying? Uh, yeah, I, polygenism. I, I think the Pope was clear, and, and here's what he said in, in his document, and let's talk about whether or not they represent a certain number of parents or one parent. He said, the faithful cannot embrace that opinion which maintains either that after Adam there existed on this earth true men who did not take their origin through natural mm -hmm. generation from him as the first parent of all, or that Adam represents a certain number of first parents. So clarify that for me. You said, yeah. what's the yeah, church teach? Do we come from one set of parents? Oh, oh, we, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, we came from one, yes, we came from one set of parents. 
um, did we do it at the same time? Well, it looks like very possibly Adam and, and uh, mitochondrial Eve and Y chromosome Adam could have lived at the same time. Yes, uh, so that that also c- could well be the truth. So, um, but do we know that they were a couple, if mm-hmm. I can put it that right, way? Right. But there's only one Adam, and uh, there's only one white chromosome Adam. He's a common ancestor for every man, and there's only one mitochondrial Eve, who is the mother ancestor of everybody. And so, for all intents and purposes, yes, we have one yep. set of parents. Were they, you know, at the same time, you know, a couple? They could have been. Uh, from a scientific point of view, uh, biblically, uh, the Pope says he thinks the per- that this is, uh, you know, the way the Church believes, but right. he doesn't close the door, okay. that, you know, to something else, but he, he, he's, you know, so reticent can, to do so. So, Father, and I hope I'm not being too obtuse here, I mean, no. can, we can't believe that there were other, or let me rephrase that, we can believe maybe that there were people on earth who did not descend from Adam and Eve, or we can't. Because no, well, no, they everybody on Earth descends from Adam and Eve. So the Neanderthals, the, the Homo sapiens, all of those, yeah. the, 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 all those different. Oh, no, they wouldn't. Their Neanderthals are not not human beings. Okay, because no. there was a recent study that yeah. came out about a week or two ago. I talked about where um, yeah. they claim that Homo sapien um, was copulating, if you will, with with uh, Neanderthals, and that in the DNA of human beings today, uh, yeah. there are people walking around with that Neanderthal DNA. Yeah, but um, that would be in the nuclear DNA. The mitochondrial DNA still has the Eve gene, and so they would be classified as human. They would not be dominantly Neanderthal. They would be human. So there's a remnant um, part of the DNA uh, from the the Neanderthal uh, in in, uh, some people's nuclear DNA. But for all intents and purposes, to be honest, um, um, they are still Homo sapiens, uh, you know, in terms of their mitochondrial DNA. All right, let's do this. I'm going to open the phones. My guest, even is, though they have some Neanderthal uh, DNA. My guest, Father Robert Spitzer, and you know how quickly time goes. So if you want to get in on the conversation, you want clarity. Maybe you think this is crazy that it really is a story no. or a myth. Feel free to call us. We're going to open the phones. All goes. Uh, here's the number for you. It's triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. We'll take your calls for Father Spitzer as we talk about our first parents, Adam and Eve. When I return, your voice matters. Call in now at 888-914-9149 to tell Drew what you think. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Get a 360-degree look at all the news and issues of the day right now. This is The Drew Mariani Show, getting you connected on Relevant Radio. Oh, yeah. It is good to be back here with you today looking at a uh, a fascinating report. <laughs> DNA discovery reveals all humans descended from an Adam and Eve after a cataclysm. Scientists in the U.S. and Switzerland have announced an amazing revelation. They claim all modern humans are descended from a common father and mother who appeared on the scene about 100,000 to 200,000 years ago after a cataclysmic event almost wiped out the human race. And, you know, the researchers believe, of course, in an evolutionary explanation. They're not pointing to the biblical Adam and Eve or even to Noah and his wife. But their DNA discovery has stirred a lot of debate, and it may prove to be, I think, one of the most challenging studies ever undertaking. And it brings up a, a huge mystery. What wiped out almost all life on the planet, leaving behind the people 
who had become the mother and father to you and to me. I'm joined today by Father uh, Robert Spitzer. What a, a brilliant priest and what a wonderful discussion we're having today. You can join it. I know a number of you are waiting online. I'll do my best to get you all on. The toll-free for you is 888-914-9149. Father, let's pick that up again. You and I had a side conversation sure. off the air, and then we'll jump into the phones. I was asking you a little bit about the timeline. Uh, is it possible mm-hmm. Eve came before Adam? Because that would discount the biblical uh, story. Uh, is it possible that they had relations with other people and then eventually the family lines connected and that's what we descended from? What do we know? How are we to understand this? Well, uh, both options are possible uh, according to current science. It was, uh, according to current science, it was that for a while that um, uh, maybe uh, mitochondrial Eve might have been older than Y chromosome Adam, that they lived at different periods. But now um, science basically holds that uh, that uh, they probably came from the same period. That seems to be the case. Um, did uh, mitochondrial Eve mate with another man and Y chromosome uh, Adam mate with another woman and then somehow the genetic lines crossed, which became the common ancestry for everyone else? Uh, that could have happened, or did they live at the same time as a single couple um, and actually give rise to progeny, um, you know, at the same time? Um, we can't tell from science, um, but uh, certainly the latter is possible. In other words, um, white chromosome atom could have been a single um, uh, mated couple with mitochondrial Eve. That certainly is a possibility. All right, let's take some calls. You can sound off 888 Nine one four nine. Let's start in Brooklyn, New York. Fred, thank you for joining the conversation. Good afternoon. Yes. Hi. Hi. Good evening, Father. How are you? And uh, Drew, uh, good evening. Good evening. Uh, you kind of answered, you, Father. You kind of answered the question about the difference in uh, how could we have uh, this uh, parents, different parents, uh, and Eve and, and Adam would be. Uh, uh, progeny, for, uh, they would develop progeny from separately from being married to each other or, you know, living together. Uh, mm-hmm. You answered that. But the, the other question, not the question, but the understanding that I had when Pope Pius XII uh, made a pronouncement uh-huh. on uh, saying that, that Catholics could believe in evolution, I always always mm-hmm. did believe that. And, and the answer I, I gave, I don't know if I, I read it somewhere, was that Along the evolutionary line, as long as at one point along the evolutionary line, God said, now I will create man, and then enabled that person, that that body with a soul. That was the answer that I always give, and is that is that the right answer? And, and That's and the right answer. You said about, yeah, and it's not just that yeah. God gave a soul that one time. That would have been the soul no, of each, Adam and Eve. But now... Yeah, that's the beginning. Um, each, that's yeah. right. Each of us now gets an individual soul. So when we are conceived in our mother's womb, whether we're twins, whether they're not twins, whether whenever we are conceived, we are given a, a, a transphysical, unique uh, soul by God. And of course, um, you know, we, we, you know, we think that every human being is completely unique. It's like fingerprints, right? You, you know, you, there's no two fingerprints that are alike. 
And, um, you know, we think that every human being is given a same unique, as it were, transphysical fingerprint, uh, which is called the soul, and that differentiates human beings. And by the way, there's a lot of evidence for this. I wrote a whole book called The Soul's Upward Yearning, and I talk about this not only from the vantage point of near-death experience, which I've talked about with Drew before, but also from the vantage point of Gödel's um, uh, law, uh, also from, you know, new studies that have been done by um, a guy named David Chalmers at at Oxford University on on uh, basically self reflectivity, and then the, the traditional studies that have been done from our uh, what we call our transcendental desires, our desires for pu- uh, you know pure and and, and uh, unrestricted truth, love, goodness, beauty, and home, and and even uh, from now uh, uh, studies of uh, uh, conceptual data. There's, there's a brand new book that just came out from MIT Press. Um, that uh, is called Why Only Us by Noam Chomsky and Robert Berwick from MIT. And, and the two of them just are stunned. They can't believe that, you know, human beings have a quality that no other, not even a chimpanzee, comes close to. And that's what's called syntactical intelligence, uh, you know, uh, cap- capability for syntactical language. Right. And, and, um, and you can take a Chinese kid, put him into Africa, and, and within a month, that Chinese kid is like on to how African language and syntax works and is using it. Wow. And the same thing, you could take the African kid, put him into China or wherever, right, right. And, and the same thing. And, and the key thing is that they can't understand it. What is that capability that enables just a child mm-hmm. to, to, you know, completely reorient their whole syntactical ability, right? Because syntax in China and, and, and Africa are very different. Yep. And, and you could just, you know, they can switch on a dime as if they have, you know, syntax in their brain in the most generic form of all. And, and they can't understand where it comes from, and they, they why no other being, not even Noam, Ch- there was a Nim Chimsky, which was, you know, a highly, highly trained primate chimpanzee that, that, that basically they tried to give, you know, 200 American sign language uh, signs to, and he, he learned them, but he couldn't even distinguish between man bites dog and dog bites man because he couldn't get syntax, he couldn't get sentence order. So, um, so it's interesting stuff. There's a ton of evidence for it, but I wrote a whole book called The Soul's Upward Yearning, or if you want, yeah, go to CredibleCatholic.com and and just click on Module 2. It's all free of charge. Just go to the big book, and it's all there. A lot of studies you know, that show that, that human beings have a soul and that Pope Pius XII, you know, saying way right. back in 1951 was straight on. Yeah. I mean, right on. Wow. Amazing. Let's go back to the phones. Father, Ellen's been waiting. She's sure. listening in the city sure. of brotherly law, Philly, Pennsylvania. Hey, Ellen. Hey, how are you? So um, I think that Adam and Eve were real because of what Jesus says in Matthew 23 when he is taking the Pharisees to task, and he says, um, mm-hmm. may all the blood, the righteous blood shed upon the earth come upon you from the righteous blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Barakiah. Um, and he, Jesus doesn't pause there and say, by the way, Abel was fake. He identifies him as a real person. Right. So if Abel was real, it means that yeah. Adam and Eve were real. Um, uh, and then also... Um, in John 8, Jesus says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you're willingly carrying out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. And to me, that refers to Cain murdering Abel, 
at the beginning because those words at the beginning pop up again in Matthew 19. So that's the reasons why, because Jesus yeah. never said Abel's fake and the beginning's fake. Right. I believe it. Great. Ellen, thank you. Well, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, you're right on, Ellen. I mean, uh, I think that's absolutely true. We were just talking about the scientific evidence for that, and remarkably, the scientific evidence today is pointing toward that fact that, as you have rightly pointed out, is implied by Scripture. So you're right on the, the marker. All right. Dave thinks, uh, you know, this is about science, not Scripture. He's listening in Portland, Maine. Hi, Dave. Okay. Hello, Father Scripture. Hi. Um, hey. Yeah, my comment was, just that uh, sometimes I have a feeling we get in that my faith is not really dependent on the scientific evidence one way or the other. It certainly like it is not. Matter to me. <laughs> yeah. And, but it doesn't matter to me. Like I believe that evolution happened and how God brought the mystery of our lives about through nature is probably something that I'll never understand and doesn't um, doesn't doesn't really matter, like whether Adam and Eve lived at the same time or not, whether those two uh, two first parents, yes, the scientific evidence per- points towards one male and one female. They weren't necessarily married, could have been thousand years separated. Them. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, by, from a scientific point of view, that's true. But even, even if it was true that they were a thousand years apart, for me, it wouldn't affect my fundamental faith. Right. Uh, in, in other words, the... Uh, I think that the scriptures are our wisdom literature, not our science literature. Right. I love it. David, when we come back, you, you we'll, we'll pick up on that point. John in Providence, Bob in West Bend. There's some great calls here about the rib of Adam and so much more. Our conversation on our first parents continues. We'll also look at what happened after the flood. Your voice matters. Call in now at 888-914-9149 to tell Drew what you think. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Hi, this is Patrick Madrid. I hope you and your loved ones are having a blessed Christmas season as we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Please make sure to join me this week as we're playing some of my favorite moments from this past year on The Patrick Madrid Show. That's 8 a.m. Central. From all of us here at Relevant Radio, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani Show. On Relevant Radio. The Drew Mariani Show. On Relevant Radio. Our conversation continues with Father uh, Robert Spitzer. Uh, please check out his site as well, majacenter.com, majacenter.com. Great way to get connected to some wonderful resources. And we're looking at our first parents, Adam and Eve. Is it true that Adam and Eve uh, existed or are they a myth? You know, were the first man and woman on earth uh, truly your parents? Uh, did we descend from a single couple? You know, scientists say that uh, we sprang from a solitary pair of adults who lived about 100 to 200,000 years ago after a catastrophic event wiped out the entire human race. And the findings were made by scientists who surveyed what they called genetic barcodes. Of They looked at 5 million animals, including uh, humans from 100,000 different species. And it's not just humans who came from this single pair, but these barcodes or these snippets of DNA, the, the that residue outside the nuclei of living cells, 
they they claim that it suggests that nine out of every ten animal species do too. And this is from from very very competent research, and uh, the conclusion was that ninety percent of all animal species alive today come from parents that all began giving birth roughly around the same time. And Father, it is good to have you back. It raises questions about Adam and Eve, the creation story, uh, when mm-hmm. animals were created, uh, you know, the mm-hmm. annihilation mm-hmm. of the race as we know it. I want to get to those issues with you, but a lot of people are waiting. So let me respect okay. their time, get them on the air with us. Kay is listening in Chicago. And uh, Kay, it's good to ta- talk with you. Good afternoon. I have two questions. The first one is, I'll ask the two of them first and then you can answer. The first one is, if Adam and Eve came about after the destruction of the human race, that means there were people around before Adam and Eve. And the second question is, if Adam and Eve were, that came about at different times, how could they create a, how could a child be created by when they were separate? That's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. That's a great yeah. question. Great question. Yeah. Um, let me answer question number one. Um, there were not our genetic ancestors before 250,000. There's what's called Homo sapiens, which is the generic co- uh, ge- the generic name from the branch of what might be called hominids from which we developed. And there's Homo sapiens go into two different categories. Homo sapien neanderthalensis, so that would be more Homo sapiens that evolved into Neanderthals, and then Homo sapiens sapiens. Our line is Homo sapiens sapiens. Now, um, it looks like, um, you know, that uh, a lot of the um, uh, um, uh, our pre-ancestors and hominids got wiped out, uh, literally got wiped out, which is why you don't see... Uh, Neanderthals around, right. because there would be some remnant of them as well, um, and so they're they're wiped out completely about 250,000 years ago by some kind of cataclysmic event. Only 10% of the species that existed, like for example, woolly mammoth mammoths, right? They, they're they're at least 400,000 years old. Right. And they kind of are the ancestors of elephants and things. And so some species did survive. About 10% of the species did survive. But um, um, 90% of the species, including um, the Homo sapiens sapiens line that became our genetic relatives, that's mitochondrial Eve and white chromosome Adam, mm-hmm. that happened after 250,000 years. I'm sorry, but the Great Flood is a different cataclysmic event, too. They're, they're talking about some. Yeah, Pri- a prior oh, yeah. cataclysmic event before the human race, and now the flood took place many millennia after the creation of an Adam and Eve, right? Oh, yeah. So the flood, if you believe kind of some recent uh, geological evidence, uh, there certainly is evidence for a flood 7,000 years ago. That'd be 5,000 B.C. Um, there's uh, uh, evidence for a flood that encompassed 150,000 square miles uh, that, that definitely would have been in the region, uh, you know, in, in, of the Middle East, et cetera. And, and that's, you know, 7,000 years ago. That's nothing. We're talking about 250,000 years ago when um, uh, y, chromosome and, uh, y chromosome Adam, um, well, at least the genetic line could have originated. But our genetic ancestors probably came about 
more like 100,000 years ago. So Y chromosome Adam and, and mitochondrial Eve, even though the cataclysmic event was 250,000 years ago, our genetic ancestors are right there 100,000 years ago, and they could have lived together. Now, that, let's get to your second question, or the flood is like way right, after right, right, that, right. 7,000 years ago. Now, the, to your question about, you know, um, if they didn't live together, how could they have children? Was that the, the essential yep, question? That was it, yeah. So, yeah, so the, the key thing is they might have lived together and had children. Or what could have happened is Y chromosome Adam could have mated with um, uh, another uh, woman and uh, mitochondrial Eve with another man. And uh, then somehow, you know, the ancestors of Y chromosome Adam and uh, mitochondrial Eve somehow linked up together later. But that link up had to become then, uh, you know, the, the general line from which all humanity sprung. So essentially that, that's, that's a possibility also uh, in, in now, science. Now, what was the human soul imparted when? To Adam well, that and, and then to Eve is, separately, they could have lived different at times, or well, after the family the lines thing. cross. Well, it could have been both. Here, if let's say that Y chromosome Adam and, and mitochondrial Eve lived a hundred thousand years ago, well, that's just about the point at which human beings start doing really bizarre things. So, in in other words, um, for a, a long time. The ancestors of Y chromosome Adam and mitochondrial Eve were living at the border of Angola and Namibia in Africa, and they just stayed there, you know. And so you've got these hominids that are living there. They're Homo sapiens sapiens, and they're living there, and then, you know, nothing special is happening. Then suddenly, 100,000 years ago, when we think our genetic ancestors, uh, mitochondrial um, uh, Eve and Y chromosome Adam lived, suddenly, all of a sudden, boom, um, you know, there's this big crossing, uh, you know, uh, of the whole of Africa, and then from Africa into the Middle East, then the Middle East to Europe, and then across the oceans into even Indonesia, and then all the way up to the top of, uh, you know, Siberia, crossing the Arctic land bridge into Alaska and going all the way down to the tip of Alaska in 5,000 years. Now, it's just it, completely inexplicable. I mean, mathematics starts developing right at this point. Human, the, These human ancestors start start burying their dead and having a sense of transcendent life and life after death. I mean, there's no exemplification. Yes, there are, you know, animals like animal, like elephants will bury their, their, their kind in, right. in some ways, you know. However, when you start burying your kind with all kinds of, you know, elements that might be used after death, so that, you know, the, right, the right, anticipation right. that they might be able to use something, that is symbolically religious with religious symbols, like, you know, divine or transcendent symbols. All of this is coming about 100 thousand years ago mathematics we can see number boards and counting instruments that come about you know 70,000 to 100,000 years ago and most importantly we see the proliferation of syntactically valid languages that suddenly emerge huge proliferation starts happening Mm -hmm. 70,000 to 100,000 years ago now this is pretty coincidental I mean so do I I mean uh, do I believe that the soul could have been coincident uh, with, um, you know, right. mitochondrial um, uh, 
uh, uh, even in Y chromosome atom? Absolutely, I believe that's a certain possibility. Uh, I mean, can I prove it from science? No, I can't. But I'll tell you one thing, that that date of the strange, you know, things that happen like yeah. homo religiosus and, and homo symbolicus and homo linguisticus and homo mathematicus, you know, that, that this date, you right. know, of, of, you know, right, the, right. the great explorations is very close to the date of our genetic wow. ancestors. That's a fascinating point. Yeah. Father, I have a few moments for you. I want to sure. share an email that came in from a listener and, and, okay. and address the issue of evolution here because this is another sure. aspect. She goes, hi. I can't call in, but love to share my thoughts. Many of the headlines give the impression that the evidence correlates with two, to two parents. Here's the thing, though. The correlation does not equal causation. What's more likely is that humans evolved to a certain point. Adam and Eve are the first two to have evolved into the humans that we are today. Neanderthals helped provide a wider gene pool. Second point, the Bible actually reflects current science as far as evolution and science on the creation of the earth in a short story manner because... That took so much time. I'm a Catholic and just want to remind you all to look at the study closer because not all science is objective. So she brought up a good point. Let's talk about this whole concept of evolution. What does it do to Darwin's theory of evolution? Well, uh, well. First of all, Darwin was highly disturbed by the fact that um, you know there was evidence that various species um, did not have uh, what we would call continuous stratum between them. So, you know, the the first thing that that's really key is that right now in this brand new study that just came out from Thayer and Steckel, that's the one you were quoting, <clears throat> you know, from University of Basel and Rockefeller University. That study um, doesn't um, uh, show, um, you know, Darwin's thinking about a continuous evolutionary process. In fact, it shows something much more biblical, um, because the mitochondrial DNA are quantized. That is to say, they're quantized into species groups, and there's nothing in between them that would show some continuity between one species and another. So it seems like, you know, 250,000 years ago or so, all of a sudden, we get this 90% of the species in the world are proliferated just like that in a single instant, you know, almost. And, and so you're looking at, wait a minute, simultaneous creation of 90% of the world's uh-huh. species uh, without anything in between. And, and so we have a quantized, uh, basically, um, uh, you know, mitochondrial, um, you know, genetic pairing uh, or genetic uh, autonomy. And that looks like, you know, something more biblical than the Darwinian view. Now, it's true that bacterial DNA, uh, bacterial um, uh, evolution begins like 3.8 billion years ago. And, and I'm sure there was some evolution in bacteria, no question. And it's also true that, you know, uh, 66 million years ago, the dinosaurs got wiped out. No, no question about that by, you know, an asteroid that, that hits the world. And some of those things survived, and they kept going right into that lineage. But the typical Darwinian theory of everything came, you know, from this common origin of bacteria 3.8 billion years ago, it really doesn't look right right now. If you believe that there and and the Steckel study, um, which, by the way, has some good validity. I mean, it is based on, you know, uh, a, a, right. you know at least 100,000 species that have been, you know, uh, cataloged in the Gen Bank. I mean, it, it's it's not a, a bad study. 
for sure. I mean, it's not definitive, but right. um, but right. the point I'm I'm trying to get to is, boy, that evolutionary picture from Darwin has definitely changed because it's then it would mean that there's not continuous evolution. Yeah. That 90 percent of the species, including hominids mm-hmm. yeah. of of uh, you know of our genetic ancestry, uh, they all came about you know no earlier probably than 200,000 years ago. Well, Father, I want to have you back. We have a lot to talk about, the flood, the human soul, so much more, but I've got to leave it right there. Thank you okay. for the wisdom, oh, for pleasure. the insight, and and best places to, to get plugged in, CredibleCatholic.com and then Magis, M-A-G-I-S, Center.com as well. Those are the two best resources. Uh, those are the two best resources. If you go to Credible Catholic and you're interested in the evolution topic, just click on Module 2 and just uh, have at it. The big hey, book, Module 2. Father, thank you. Before I let you go, would you give your blessing to all Absolutely. of us who are listening? And bow your heads and pray for God's blessing. And may Almighty God send his wisdom and Holy Spirit down upon you to see this remarkable confluence of science and faith, the remarkable confluence of God's revealing hand in the world to know the true mystery and transcendent mystery that you are. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. 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 Thanks, Father. We'll return the favor and pray for you, too. Okay, keep up your good work. All right, and the uh, chaplet is coming right up, so we will be praying uh, together. Uh, and let's pray for Father Spitzer. You know, he has a challenge with his eyes, and um, he's going to be using some experimental uh, technology, hopefully, to um, maybe get some sight. And uh, you know, just pray for him. He's, he's one of the most brilliant men that I think I have uh, have ever met. I always enjoy talking to him. And I was saying to Jake during one of our breaks, that we probably should bring him back in the new year. And we could take a look at everything from evolution to the Great Flood to our first parents uh, to uh, intelligent life. Does it exist outside of the planet Earth? And so much more. The afterlife he's written on, uh, you might want to check out his website. It would be a, a tremendous blessing to you. As I said, the chaplet's coming up. If you want to try to sneak in early, it's 888 But it is Christmas, right? The president, of course, gave a tremendously uplifting speech at the Christmas tree lighting. I don't know if you had a chance to hear this, but I hope it reminds you of the true meaning of Christmas. For Christians, this is a joyous time to remember God's greatest gift to the world. More than 2,000 years ago, the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary. He said, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. The angel told her that she would give birth to a baby boy, Jesus, who would be called the Son of the Most High. Nine months later, Christ was born in the town of Bethlehem. The Son of God came into the world in a humble stable. As Christians everywhere know, the birth of our Lord and Savior changed history forever. At Christmas, we give thanks to God and that God sent His only Son to die for us and to offer everlasting peace to all humanity. More than two millennia after the birth of Jesus Christ, his teachings continue to inspire and uplift billions and billions of people all over the globe. His divine word still fills our hearts with hope and faith, and Christians everywhere still strive to live by Jesus' timeless commandment to his disciples, love one another. What an important message at this time of year. and. Something I think I hope you know both uh, sides of the aisles uh, can can ultimately embrace love one another. 
What a great message. Well, you know, I, I love to hear the president speaking like that. You know, I love to hear the president talk of God and of Christmas. You know, I think it's uh, I think it's inspiring. He's the most pro-life president we've ever had. I don't know whether you're going to miss him or not. Uh, there's a lot of change coming in 2021. But let me share just a few more of President Trump's uh, words. Here's the final part of that speech, which the president gave at the Christmas tree lighting ceremony. Listen. Above all, during the sacred season, our souls are full of thanks and praise for Almighty God for sending us Christ, His Son, to redeem the world. Tonight, we ask that God will continue to bless this nation, and we pray that He will grant every American family a Christmas season full of joy, hope, and peace. On behalf of Melania and the entire Trump family, Merry Christmas to all, and best wishes for a very, very great and happy New Year. Thank you. All right. That's the President of the United States. Let's pray for him. Let's pray for Joe Biden, and let's pray for the incoming administration. Some people are still holding out hope. They're saying, hey, you know, we've, they're still, it's not over yet. But we'll see. That would certainly be a, uh, that'd be a Christmas miracle. But uh you know, I think 2021, my personal take, it's going to be a year of of even more change. All right. That was uh, part of an interview that we had uh, last year that I thought I'd share with you on Adam and Eve. If you're just joining us, the 4th tomorrow is indeed the Feast of Adam and Eve. Apparently, I was making reference in that uh, interview to the tree lighting ceremony that the, the former president had and some of the words that he uh he ultimately delivered. But, you know, just as a side note, uh, one thing that always changes is, is politics, right? Presidents come and they go. You know, policies come and they go. Uh, you know, and we get so embedded, so deeply rooted in partisanship. I think it does our country really a disservice. Look how fast time has gone. I mean, people get so passionate about about the elections. Is it important to put into office moral people? Absolutely. Is it important to have well-thought-out, well-reasoned policy? (laughs) Absolutely. You see the fruit of bad policy, right? We see the fruit of defunding the police. We see the bad fruit of of, of sometimes big government and and, and spending and and waste. Uh, We need good policy, but we need good people behind those policies. And ultimately, we need a a good and well-formed constituency. We need a good citizenry, and that's you and me. So we need to make sure that our own hearts are right, that we are in a relationship with God, that we are informed and well-formed so that when we exercise that very privileged right we have to vote, um, we'll use it in a wise way. I don't know what the coming year is going to hold. I kind of hope that Omicron is a good sign. Uh, You're probably saying, what's that mean? I'm I'm hoping that Omicron is a sign that COVID-19 um, is becoming less virulent, less deadly. Now, will Omicron take lives? Absolutely. Will it continue to spread? Absolutely. Uh, will there be other variants? I would probably argue yes, but I hope they have, um, I hope their threat is diminishing. And I hope we can put this all behind us. I hope we can look at this in our rearview mirror. And I hope 2022 is a year where there are greater things that uh, are in store for you and for me. And the one thing you can do, of course, is just uh, just praying. I mean, make that commitment. You know, we're about to enter the one of the holiest times of the year. You know, the, the birth of Christ, um, and then everybody makes their New Year's resolutions. 
right? You're going to make a New Year resolution, I'm sure. People often, I'm going to lose weight, or I'm going to pray more, or I'm going to read more, or I'm going to practice my instrument, or I'm going to, you know, we make, and then, you know, the studies show that within about 15 days, most people have abandoned those resolutions. But maybe this year, plan to make a resolution to grow deeper in your faith, to spend more time in prayer. You know, the, the more you pray, the better things go. The more you pray, uh, the, the more impact you're going to have on not just the lives you're praying for, but on this country. And I think it's the one thing that we can all do. Uh, spend a little bit more time in prayer. I've seen the fruit of it over and over and over again. So uh, I'm going to wish you just a merry and blessed Christmas. We're about to pray the chaplet that will be live. Looking forward to that. And then I'm going to share with you uh, a classic Christmas story that um, I share every year. It's about a miracle that took place in my own family. Uh, that proved to me that Christmas really was a, a time of miracles. That's uh, an amazing, uh, miracles happen all the time. We see them here in the chaplet, right? No doubt about it. So we will, uh, well, of course, um, if you've got a great Christmas miracle or great story you want to share, I would love to hear that as well. But just one quick note here as we get ready to pray the chaplet. Uh, Christmas is going to fall on a Saturday this year. So what's that mean for your mass obligation? Uh, it means you as a Catholic have an obligation to attend Mass both on Christmas Day, that is Saturday, and then December 26th, which is a Sunday. So I know sometimes people, you know, like a few extra days to prepare for Christmas and, you know, it's it's upon us right now. And then you look at your week and you're thinking, oh my gosh, what's going on? How are we going to fit all this in? Um, look, we do have a, an obligation to keep holy the Sabbath. I know it's several apparition sites like La Salette and others. The Virgin Mary came talking to seers there about um, about how the world has forgotten this day. It's a commandment, right? Honor God, especially on the Sabbath. So you have an obligation to attend Mass both Christmas Day, Saturday, the 25th, and the following day, Sunday, December 26th. And each obligation has got to be fulfilled. So one Mass on the afternoon of Christmas uh, won't fulfill both obligations. Uh, each obligation has got to be fulfilled by attending a Mass celebrated uh, you know, in the church or on the evening of the preceding day. So just putting that on your radar. All right, let's pray when I come back. If you want to get in, 888 914 We'll pray the Chaplet of Divine Mercy together. <laughs> 